Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646 716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Good to have you with us, everybody. Happy Labor Day. Hope you are enjoying your special day. For those of you who are dialed in, appreciate it. We've got some loyal listeners out there. It's always fun to have everybody join in and be a part of the podcast. Again, this is the uh, September 4th. Fourth uh Fourth of July <laughs> Labor Day holiday. Gosh, it does seem like just the Fourth of July was just here. So when I saw the fourth up there, I defaulted to the Fourth of July. So it's the fourth of September. And we're hoping you are again just join your time. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we are grateful to have you as our listener, and we're committed to bringing you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Join us, tell others about it, and listen and learn. That's our new deal here, listen and learn. Today we're going to be talking about social media. There is so much going on in social media, and uh, we do not have our regulars on, except for Sam Garcia, where the headlines never stop. So Sam is here to give us an update. We're going to be going to him just shortly. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, the creative creator of the innovative rate star program as well as motivity solutions providing real-time reporting and dashboard scorecards they are part of the black knight family we're thrilled to have them here with us also velma an efficient mortgage marketing and email platform as well as simplifile a real-time electronic communication exchange can't live with that out everything's going electronic you might as well do it and do it with the best and that's simplifile the mortgage collaborative the power of the network very proud to be a part of their network and a part of, of the network that helps us connect with other mortgage professionals and industry professionals and then also Finastra. Last week we were at their users conference and we heard that they're now the third largest fintech company in the world with over 10,000 employees with offices in 42 countries serving 9,000 companies worldwide. Wild. I'll also say a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Joe, as well as Sam for their continued contributions to the program each and every week. And we have Sam here with us a little bit. We're going to be with him in just a minute. Here's the upcoming uh, conferences. We always talk about those. We have October 22nd through the 25th, the NBA Annual Convention and Expo. And that is going to be taking place at the Colorado Convention Center. It's going to be very well attended this year and encourage you to check it out. Then also, we we have Tony Moss and the folks at AmeriCatalyst has the AmeriCatalyst event coming up again on Wednesday tomorrow, and we'll be going through Wednesday, Wednesday and Thursday. All right, let's talk also about the, um, uh, let's see here, the Risk and Compliance Conference, November 1st through the 3rd, as well as we have the Accounting Finance Conference. 
conference, which is the November 13th through the 15th, Accounting and Finance Management. These are both MBA conferences. Very important that you get to these. And then, of course, I'll be speaking at the keynote speaker at the MGIC Focus 2018 uh, conference in Nashville on November 15th and 16th. And if you haven't checked out our new website, be sure to do so, lickitonlending.com. You can still go over to Blog Talk Radio. That website is still alive and well, but we've set up our own so you can listen to the various segments. For example, so if you want to just go listen to Sam's comments about what's going on, you can click on the Sam's pictures and then just get a list of all of his uh, contributions to the radio program. You can do that same for Alice and Joe and Andy and everyone else. So good to have you with us. We're getting a lot of suggestions on things that we can add to the program, and we're going to be adding a technology component. Very excited to be doing that. Alan Pollock will be joining us with a technology update. So we'll be doing that and fitting that into this podcast. It's already getting busy and crowded here. We're going to move some things around to make that happen. The markets are closed. Otherwise, we'd be off with Joe Farr. So let's go over to Les Parker. Great to be on your show, Dave. Loan Logic sponsors Market Logics Live. Look over Yellen, what do you see? The ball arising most definitely. A new day with Draghi, uh-oh. Policies changing, ain't it beautiful? Oh no, central bank persuasion. Last week we said central bankers create a moral hazard with extensive accommodation. High uncertainty and low volatility are emblematic of moral hazard. Imagine QE ending. Watch the Fed let its balance sheet run off. See short-term rates rise. All these will lead to healthy global investing. But it also means higher volatility. These views are my own. Go to LoanLogics.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. The new day is coming. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Good job, Les. And I love that music. I appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to have Sam Garcia dialing in. So, Sam, what's in the headlines? You know, last week, of course, was the jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Normally, Joe would talk about some of the more global features of that. And uh, the last week's report indicated it was kind of disappointing um, because the the data indicate that just 156,000 jobs were added in August. Um, That's no good because normally we're hoping to see above 200,000 jobs added in a given month. And that was lower than a month earlier and lower than a a year earlier. And the other thing that happened was uh, the unemployment rate climbed to 4.4% from 4.3%. You know, that's never good either. We wanted to see that kind of continue down. And it still is very low overall, historically speaking. But, you know, we want to see the trend moving up. Now, just within the mortgage industry, the BLS reports uh, data on non-bank mortgage Job. So we came up with uh, 340,800 non-bank mortgage jobs in July. That was down from um, an up- upwardly revised uh, number of the month earlier uh, by about 1,000 jobs or so. Um, uh, and, and it had been increasing each, each month. Of course, it's kind of in contrast to what I've been predicting, which was we were going to see a decline. So this is really the first uh, time we're seeing a decline uh, with you know rates have kind of held things up and kept – kept business going, but um, I don't know if this is uh, going to be the beginning of the trend that we've been predicting or, or we're going to see some up months. We'll see what, what comes what comes about in the future. But again, those are non-bank jobs reported by the Bureau. Um, so as we always do, we take um, those numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and extrapolate them out using origination share. And what we did was we came up with um, a total of estimate of 740,000 people working in the mortgage industry as of July, uh, and that estimate includes around 320,000 mortgage jobs at banks, 
nearly 80,000 mortgage jobs at uh, credit unions, and then the 340,800 people in non-bank jobs. Uh, and by the way, that non-bank uh, number consists of uh, 242,500 real estate credit positions and 98,300 mortgage and non-mortgage loan brokers. And both those numbers were down. It wasn't like we had a, you know, an improvement in one and decline in the other. And, and finally, those numbers are all uh, not seasonally adjusted. They're the actual numbers. So uh, that's the, the employment report. That's probably the biggest story, you know, that uh, in my mind, uh, what's most important and where we're going in the mortgage industry. Um, we also put out our uh, our weekly mortgage market index, which we basically use uh, rate lock data, rate lock volume data from open close. And that was down a little bit last week. And, you know, it's typical that that uh, business slows ahead of a holiday and we don't use any seasonal adjustments. So uh, that was kind of to be expected. wasn't too bad. One, one interesting note, though, is that adjustable rate mortgage business uh, jumped 7%, even though everything else was down. And in fact, if you compare it to a year ago, the same week, um, our business is up 45%. So that's a reflection of you know rising rates. We start to see people kind of jump over to arms to grab their last piece of a low-rate environment when they think things are going up. And that's been typical in a number of refinance cycles I've been through throughout the years. So. Um, that's pretty normal. And then, of course, we'll expect that business is going to slow this week because we did have the holiday on Monday or today, shall we say. So um, let's see. We, of course, covered rates last week, um, interest rates, and uh, rates moved a little bit – or they moved lower, and they were the lowest this year. And then we, we take a look at uh, Treasury market activity up to the day when we do that report – and it looks like, based on at least that report um, on that day, rates were even going to be lower in the next Freddie survey. So uh, we'll see where they go, but they were heading lower. Sam, thank you so much for being here with us today. Look forward to having you back next week. Good talking uh, to you. All right, friend. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Folks, we're going to be right back with a word from with David Bolin, Finastra. Again, great conference. Encourage you to check this out. There's a lot happening and going to be happening with Finastra, especially as they combine these resources. The vision is extraordinary. And uh, let's learn more. David Bolin, here you go. Hey, thanks a lot, David. Finastra is extremely proud to be a key sponsor of the Licking on Lending Program. Known formally as DNH, Finastra's global lending division provides end-to-end solutions and innovation to the full spectrum of lenders, including independent mortgage bankers, community banks and credit unions, and even the largest banks globally. Learn more about how you provide an innovative digital experience for your borrowers by leveraging our multi-channel point-of-sale solution, which includes the new MortgageBot Mobile, by visiting our website at finastra.com. Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657. 
All right, everybody. We're going to be focusing in on social media today. It's a bigger part of the marketing strategy of an increasing number of lenders, and they're having amazing success. So uh, before we go into an interview that I recorded this last week with Jessica Peterson, I want to go in and give some real interesting facts. But here's some new social media facts. Every minute, there are 4,166,667 likes on Facebook. There are also then on Instagram, 2,430,000 some likes. There's 136,000 photos uploaded every, every minute. Now, these are every minute statistics. There are 435,000 120 tweets. And the reason we're focusing on this is we're just doing an interlude with this program, and then we're going to focus on it for a series coming up here this a little bit later in the fall. We're lining up a series of guests who are having good success with our social media marketing, and we're going to be kicking it off with a quick interview with Jessica Peterson, and then we're going to be getting on with Jeff Sellers, who has got a lot of experience and did a great report for one of our clients. Can't wait to share that with you. So let's hear from Jessica Peterson. I am excited to have a good friend back on the podcast again. Her name is Jessica Peterson. She is the founder of Simply Wow Agency, and she's located wherever there's a good internet connection. We had her on the podcast back on May 5th, 2014, and we talked then about the importance of having a social media strategy and policy within your company, especially when you have so many employees that are out there using the internet and may have associated their name with your company, and they may not behaving and representing your company well out there in the internet. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast, and we're looking for some new wisdom and updates to everything that's going on in social media. Jessica, good to have you with us. I am so excited to be back, David. You are someone I highly admire. I know I've shared that with you before and had the privilege to actually connect and meet with you in person and stay in touch through social media. Jessica, for our audience that may not know who you are, tell us a little bit about your agency and yourself and some of the work you do. Well, thank you. So it's been over five years. I've been a consulting and coach on marketing with a niche in social media. We originated as Customer Wow Project. We've grown and expanded so much. After over five years, we rebranded ourselves as Simply Wow Agency. And I always say it's simple, David. If you wow your clients, your business will grow. I've spoken to so many loan officers. I've been there. I was I was in the trenches. I was a loan originator for years and managed and owned and everything else. And I know what it was like to, you know, feel like that hamster on the wheel. And now I enjoy working with companies on how to stop that that feeling and stop that constant hamster on the wheel. I hate that hamster on a wheel feeling. And social media, if done right, can help you leverage your time so you're gaining good relationships. But that also can present some problems. Who should we be adding as some friends and uh, who should we not? So give us some best practices that you teach in your classes about adding friends. Typically, I like to ask someone why they reach out wanting to connect because I'm not just looking for more friends, right? I'm looking for quality relationships where we can support one another. I wish I'd gotten that advice a while back. I fell into the trap of accepting anyone who requested me as a friend, and I found out at some point in time, it just got to be, Facebook got to be meaningless. So I went through and started deleting people. I'm like you. I've gone through and deleted hundreds of people. I mean, there was even someone famous from TV, and, and, and I adore her. I was sitting there thinking, though, it just wasn't a mutually beneficial relationship in either of our lives. And so I wanted to 
you know, respect and honor her time, my time, and delete, and along with other people. So when someone, if someone was to delete me, I mean, it's happened a couple of times, and I just look at it as a blessing, and same when I delete someone, we're just not mutually serving one another anymore. That's a great way to put it, it's not mutually serving them. But do they get a notification if you delete them? No. They really don't, do they? Other than they don't, they don't. So if you delete someone off your Facebook page, they're not going to be insulted unless they just went searching for you. Now, I ended up going through it, and two or three people came back and said, hey, I somehow lost my connection with you. I really want to be connected with you. And that was a different relationship I didn't realize and they explained why, and uh, and I so I reconnected with them. So that was fine, but I, I think it's important to be really purposeful. And that's what I'm hearing about establishing friendships is being really purposeful about that. Is there any guidelines you would give our listeners? Well, every company is so different, and I mean there are some people I'm connected with, and they've never brought value to me. I brought it to them, but at least they're appreciative, right? So there's so many different factors to look at. Really reach out and connect. So, for example, you might reach out to someone, hey, how are you? You don't hear from them. You reach out again. You reach out again. And if you're never hearing back from them, they're not really worth your time. The way I look at it is if you're connected on social media, you should be able to connect in a private message or phone or something beyond just the likes. Today I did a Facebook Live, and people are really enjoying it. Let's go beyond the likes. And also important factors about the likes that people really really enjoyed some new changes in Facebook on the like. You brought up Facebook Live. That's something that's relatively new to Facebook, and it is really taking off. I'm hearing more and more, seeing more and more people, my friends, that are using this, and they're getting quite an audience, and that's an active, very loyal audience. Talk about Facebook Live. Is that a strategy that someone in loan origination should consider doing? Absolutely. Oh, hands down. As a matter of fact, I did a Facebook Live yesterday. I posted it in a real estate agency group, and I had tons of private messages. I had a real estate agent said, let's connect. Um, another one wants to stay in touch. So it's, it's a fabulous tool. It's just how you use it. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people are complaining about Facebook Lives. They're too long, or it's not really engaging. So when I work with my clients, I work with them on, let's create a catchy headline, what's your purpose, what's your bullet points, how long, communication. I have a whole spreadsheet and training system on that that I, I train companies on, including you know mortgage originators. Now, something really important, David, I would love to mention, I'm noticing a lot of people are messing up on, is they're utilizing their personal Facebook page, Facebook Live, nothing wrong with it, but they're using it in a salesy way. Facebook and the rules 4.4 says you are not to use it for business. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. And I just had someone reach out to me, and I believe it was on the Facebook Live, and they said, I've been watching you for almost two years. I thought, you have been? Wow. Never talk or communicate. And then now they want to talk about doing business. So just because I've mentioned this before, just because someone doesn't comment, like, or interact at that doesn't mean that they're not going to be watching you and want to interact or engage with you later. That's something that my business coach says. It's, you know, people, unfortunately, we're in a day and age, too many people have been scammed, and we're in a day and age they just don't trust too many people, and I don't blame them at all. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what should be public and what should be private. Well, again, every person is different. So when I talk with people, I say, hey, is this something you only want your family, your friends to see, you want the public to see? Really think about that. And some people are very private. They don't want anybody seeing their 
kids, and I completely respect that. Some people say only friends. Some people I've seen, they just want the whole world to see their, you know, all their children and family, and they're okay with that. I did see someone post on Facebook today, hey, I'm seeing people putting up images of their children's school ID badges. Do you realize how much information is on there? You shouldn't be posting that because then it could just be, you know, have their identity stolen. I'm using Facebook more for personal than I am for business, yet I have a business page, and also I have LinkedIn. So most of my business connections, I think I'm up to 12,000 connections now on LinkedIn. Is that a good strategy on a, for a loan originator? Because the loan originators are connected with consumers, and maybe not all the consumers are on LinkedIn. That's a great B2B strategy, business to business. But is it is LinkedIn a place you want to go for B2C, business to consumer connections? Absolutely. LinkedIn is one I've been predicting recently over the last year that's going to be an up-and-coming and it's only because there's so many new tools and features, and I know that they were sold or bought out and lots of changes. They're definitely heading in the right direction. They're one to watch. And my clients have utilized it, and, you know, we create the plan. They've had huge success. Now, keep in mind, it's a little bit different, but here, here's where to think about. Are you going to stay in touch with them, just like with Facebook? Are you going to continually provide value um, with them? And you don't want to come across salesy, right? Here's something I find so often, David, and, and I may have shared this before with you, like, like you said, it's been three years. I would love to share it again. So many consumers I meet say, Jessica, we're so sick and tired of loan officers and real estate agents saying, hi, I'm a real estate agent. Let me help you buy or sell your home. And you meet five of them in one day networking, and they all sound the same. Same with loan officers. Hey, let me help you do your home loan. They, and so these consumers keep coming to me and they're saying, Jessica, Work with these people, you know. So I actually, you know, I do go out every now and then, as you mentioned, go to networking events and speak. I believe don't hide behind a computer for social media. Get out there and be seen and known as well. Right. Come up with something that's going to have you stand out where somebody wants to continue knowing you. Set up that whole plan. Make that major shift. So give us some pointers there for someone who wants to stand out. What are some effective ways to do this? And I know you're going to get into you get into this in a much deeper way in your training series, which we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes. But give some real quick tips. What are some things that are out there that people can do? We talked about Facebook Live. That sounds like that's one of them. What are other things people can do to stand out? Well, it really depends on the company or the person's goals, and there's a you can create a variety of different introductions. So I have a whole training on this. I work with clients one-on-one -on -one in regards to, okay, what will help you stand out? What does your local market want? What is missing? And always answer the what's in it for me question, right? So, again, if you're out networking, there's so many different possibilities, David. But, but here's just one, just for example. You can go out and you could be networking, obviously take an interest in the person and be very specific in the questions you ask them. You don't want the same old traditional questions, but be very specific and come up with some really creative, fun ones that people really want to know more about you. And then it could be as simple as, you know what, hey, I have a reverse mortgage um, program coming up. If you know of anyone 62 or older, um, hey, let's go ahead and stay in touch. I'm happy to send you an invitation. I'm going to be speaking, you know, I don't know, a library. I'm going to be speaking on it. And it would mean the world to me if you invited at least, you know, a couple of loved ones and really educate them on what's happening on the reverse mortgages. You see, and, and usually people are like, yes, we'd love to help you, love to do that. So you give a reason to stay in touch, and you're really specific and niche. And it's not so broad as, 
oh, hey, let me, you know, do your home loan. Do you have some specific examples? I've had some clients who, you know, go ahead and say, hey, um, I have this free report, top activities on my community. Would you like it? And people light up. Yes, we would love to have that. So right then and there, they go ahead and, you know, opt in on their phone, and, and then they take it to the next level in creating that relationship and their strategies on that as well. But it's more than just the relationship. It's being very specific with questions too, David, because I was speaking with a, several um, real estate agent clients, and they happen to have the same concern. They're meeting people, giving them so much, and they never give anything in return. Well, have you ever asked them, hey, do you have a loan officer or a real estate agent that you like working with? And what's fascinating is once they ask that specific question, David, then it opens up, oh, yeah, my best friend of 30 years. So is that someone you want to invest a lot of time in that could have saved you quite a bit of headache just asking that one specific question? Give us a couple other quick pointers and then talk about the training class and how people can get a hold of you and your website. Well, thank you. So be really careful and cautious of your brand. You and I were having an offline conversation earlier, how you look up somebody and you think, wow, that's their image online, right? <laughs> uh, be really cautious of your brand. Uh, are you standing out? Are you really answering what's in it for me? Are you really engaging for someone? I just had a consumer reach out to me and she said, Jessica, I have three friends who are real estate agents and to be completely frank, none of them stand out. They all sound the same. Who do you recommend, Jessica? So your online image is, is so important when you look at that. And, and just, you know, it's always good to check, check on it and, and make sure it really aligns with who you are. I have a real estate agency, like I mentioned, we've been working for um, almost a couple years now, and we're doing a little bit of tweaking and rebranding some of that. And it's so much fun because times change. So if you haven't looked at your brand in, you know, 10 years, Actually, there was a real estate agent that's been longer than that. It's probably time to go ahead and do a little bit of a check-up on your branding, for sure. That is so true. We need to go back and visit our branding, and you're a great resource for that. You, like myself, have a lot going on. Tell us about it. Well, you know, as you mentioned, I have Simply Wow Agency. I work with people, and I have courses and masterminds. And then recently, Susan Oberbillig, she's uh, the founder of MyMortgageMoxie.com. It's a free website and tool for mortgage professionals to talk about how to structure loans and things of that nature. Well, her and I have teamed up on Mortgage Prosperity Academy. So the Mortgage Prosperity Academy has lots of free gifts for mortgage professionals, tons of training on loan programs, how to network, social media. And I encourage every mortgage professional to go ahead and, you know, visit Simply Wow Agency and, you know, mortgageprosperityacademy.com as well. And we're just here to serve and love to hear what questions or challenges, you know, the loan officers have. Susan's in the trenches, 30 years of experience, and I had, you know, 20 in the banking mortgage industry. So we've been there. And, and I love having conversations with mortgage professionals what their biggest challenges and and coming up with solutions to support them. I love your attitude about serving others and sharing your knowledge, and you do such a great job at that. I really appreciate you taking time to join us today. Thank you. Well, thank you, David. I, I, I've grown to admire you and your family more and more as the years go on, and I appreciate you. Really appreciate that, Jessica. We're both blessed with great spouses and families that are very supportive of us and what we do. Listeners, I encourage you to get a hold of Jessica by going to her Facebook page. Put in Jessica Peterson, that's J-E-S-S-I-C-A, Peterson, P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N, or do the same over at LinkedIn. You'll see a number of testimonies there, and uh, you'll enjoy meeting her and visiting with her.
I encourage you to check it out. We're going to be right back after a brief word from ArchMI with Shawnee Honnadale. Thanks, David. Glad to be a sponsor. Spring home buying's underway. The supply is tight and interest rates are rising. Are lenders ready to compete for purchase business, or will they get left behind? ArchMI RateStar is the best way to stay aggressive and stay ahead of the herd. Use our risk-based pricing program to assess individual loan risk more precisely. With RateStar, lenders lead their market the way ArchMI leads the MI industry. Lead with us. So good to have you with us, everybody. This social media thing is one that I've been studying and looking at for some period of time, and we have with us Jeff Sellers, a very good friend and someone who works with me in advising our clients on a social media strategy. Jeff, I can tell your mic's on. I hear you clunking around there. Good to have you here. Well, thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited about the social marketing aspects of stuff. You know, we do a lot with our PMS clients and um, a lot of it is like new information or wild information, or they may just kind of modify their plan. So, yeah, it's really good to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, let's talk a little bit about the traditional advertising that many have used. We're seeing Quicken go out with their rocket mortgage. We see other companies out there that have some great ads and television, but it's very, very expensive to do that. And there are some very affordable alternatives to that talk about that okay so yeah the traditional advertising that we're all used to is you know television and radio and print so whether it's newspaper or magazines and things of that nature so with the addition of um, you know social media uh, especially Facebook um, this allows us to have a, a less expensive marketing campaign that reaches a larger number of people. So talk about at, MSA. So like, give us some ideas about the cost of an MSA. I mean, some people don't realize how expensive the advertising can be. Yes, absolutely. So we can look at, um, let's call it a DMA. That is the direct marketing area of a television or radio station. So each town um, is ranked in a DMA, and they're ranked from 100 or 1 being New York City down to uh, in the 300s. And really, they only track the top 200. So let's just pick um, a market, let's say, in the mid 100s. So that's about a population of TV homes of about 250,000. So the average TV commercial in the morning news on your local station is about $70 per commercial. And then if you go to the evening news, it's about $140 a commercial. And what we look at is that on average, 17% of the population within that 250,000 actually local news. So then you divide that by the number of TV stations in the area. Major networks is usually four. So that equates to a little over 10,000 uh, people uh, watching any given local news program. So typically these campaigns will last, you know, 30 days. Uh, you're looking at a cost of about $4,200 just if you do one of these ads uh, for 30 days or one of these campaign ads. Uh, and you know, then you only reach about 42,000 people. So the cost is about 40 cents per household for that. So I'm sorry, yeah, 30-day campaign, if you did both of them, would be about 17 grand. Um, and again, 40 cents a person. So that, you know, from the, from the TV aspect, um, there's that in the newspaper. Um, the, it, in smaller towns, it seems to be more effective with the newspaper than the larger towns. Um, you don't, you know, not everybody thumbs through the, the entire paper, uh, the older generation, of course, were. Then you also have radio, um, and radio is expensive as well. You can get four to five spots a day. Let's say you get 20 weekday spots and eight weekend spots. Um, you know, you're looking at about, mm, you know, $3,500 a month just for that. 
um, in a 30-day campaign or 20, you know, it's, you, you kind of had different campaigns you can do. Right. Um, but now when we look at social media, um, you can do, let's say, a 90-day campaign. Uh, you can affect your entire area. It kind of depends on how many people you want to include. Because with social media and the Facebook portion of it, you can select age groups or people that have, you know, specific interests. Mm -hmm. So now you're looking at 0 .007 to 0 .017 cents per person. And, of course, the larger areas, uh, you have uh, less per person cost versus if you had an area of only about, you know, 40,000 people. So you really have a more effective use of your money with the social media aspect. And with Facebook, they have all kinds of stuff. You can promote your page, your website, uh, boost a post, you know, things of that nature. So there's different things that you can have going on within your campaign. The, the uh, part that is most intriguing to me about social media, other than just it's so much cheaper, is how you can really laser in and target your ad to the demographic, to the specific type of customer you want. If you could talk about that and give us some examples. Okay. So it's really important for clients to know their area, and that means um, your average growth rates, your employment, unemployment uh, rates. Um, and, you know, one of the analysis that we do, we break it down by ethnic group, by household, by income, and there's just pages and pages of information that allow you to um, come up with a campaign that's right for you because what you want to do is, uh, like we're talking about the branding, um, you know, you need to know what your mission statement is. What are you selling? Is it a need or a want? If it's a want, make it a need. So we really want to look at the uh, targeting, you know, specifics. If you want to, uh, for senior citizens, if you want to do something specific, you want to do something specific for millennials, you can actually choose that age group, and you can also choose the interest. Uh, you can also choose the target area as far as a geographic reason. Um, if you're a large company and you want to affect, let's say, Houston and maybe uh, Colorado Springs or uh, maybe Nashville, Tennessee, well, you can just select those groups um, within. It gives you a little bubble that you can expand or uh, restrict to a certain area, even smaller towns. And you can select those, and all those are your target areas. So you can get, um, you can get very specific. I'm thinking of this one uh, client that we did this for. We went in, and you, first of all, did a good demographics analysis. I think it really starts with a good understanding of the demographics. Would you agree with that? And absolutely. what is your market? I, and so that you can even target the right products? Yeah, absolutely. So you want to look at your, you know, of course, your civilian labor force, and that's going to be where uh, people are buying homes, you know, making cash purchases and things of that nature. You also want to look at your employment, your unemployment, uh, and your unemployment rate. And, you know, the growth rate, too, is something that you need to look at as far as a growth rate for your area. Is it 1%? Is it 6%? The average is about 6% um, in the cities. So we have some that are lower than that, and we have some that are higher than that. So your growth rate, what that tells you is you either have people that are pretty much born there, grow up there, and pass away there, uh, or you have a more transient, you know, community. So those are things that are important because you have people that are used to certain services and the way of doing things within your town. If you have transient people coming in, you know, you have different people from different areas coming in, that's going to, you know, bring a certain level of, um, let's say, current technology because some of these smaller communities may not really, uh, they may be resistant to that or just not know about it. Um, so it's really important to know, 
what kind of uh, what kind of folks you're dealing with. Also, age groups. We're more interested in the, the services that we can provide. We assume that you know you're going to have an unemployment rate of, of some degree. Um, obviously, we're going to go for the uh, the labor force and people that um, are employed at the time. But you can you really need to look at um, you know break down household. Uh, you know, what's the average cost of the house? Um, what's the mean income? Uh, things of that nature, because that's going to help you build a, you know, uh, target your services as well. Uh, if you have a, a house like in Austin, Texas, the average home is four hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and you may go to somewhere like Waco, <laughs> Texas, where the the house, the average cost of a house is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So those are things you can look at too. So you know, what kind of services am I going to offer? Obviously, in Waco, Texas, there's not as many jumbo loans as there's going to be in Austin, Texas. When you're looking at a social media strategy, I want to leave our listeners today, Jeff, with the things that are the most compelling and your recommendations and what we're recommending recommending in a social media strategy. So let's go through those. Starting off, is it the best thing is to really get a full understanding of the demographics of your market that you just talked about? Is that the best place to start? Yes, absolutely. So once you have an understanding of the market, then it's analyzing the products that you have. And then it really goes into how to zero in on the people in with social media in that area. So with social media marketing, especially Facebook, they have a ton of analytical data uh, that you can gauge and see how your campaigns are running or how your posts are running. Um, and then I would, I, would su- I would suggest, you know, doing do some trials, you know, boosting stuff and see how what kind of response it gets. And make it different types of information and different types of targets. Like if you're talking about, you know, special loan rates or whatever it is, um, you can test those and see what kind of response they get. And that will also help you, you know, kind of determine your market strategy. And the first thing that we look at and we ask our clients is, what have you been doing? What are you doing to this day? What have you done for the past, let's say, four or five years? And then look at what they have been doing um, because that's going to give us a good starting point. And also – What's their mission? What are they trying to push? You know, those are the those are the good starting points and just kind of learning information about the organization. And then from there, we can pretty much design a battle plan, if you will. Um, the market analysis is very critical before you do anything else, uh, before we start doing any advising. It's really important for us to do that, that market report. Jeff, thanks so much for taking time out of your uh, holiday to join us here and give us some insights into this. It's uh, an area we're going to be getting into. We're going to have you back when we do that. Uh, I think it'll be about a three, four-week stint in there. We'll have you back. This is actually something that you've got a lot of knowledge on. We want to pull on that as much as possible. So appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your holiday to join us, my friend. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. I appreciate you. You do a great job of this. Folks, let's go out and run out to one of our sponsors and uh, get the KPI of the week from John Maynell, who is with Motivity Solutions. John, what's the KPI of the week? Hello. Thanks very much, David. Always good to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is application to funded cycle time. Uh, Since the arrival of TRID, cycle time measurements have obviously come to the forefront, everything from looking at the entire application to funded cycle uh, down to sub-cycles or cycle time between milestones. Everyone wants to compress cycle time, and the beauty of this type of strategic KPI is that it can be tied to operational KPIs that track the tasks or processes within the cycle that contribute to how long or short that cycle is. So operational KPIs can be thought of as the cause, and strategic KPIs are the effect 
Uh, and balancing and monitoring these key measurements really can drive performance. And this demonstrates again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, David, I will turn it back to you. Thanks very much again. Appreciate you tuning in with us this week. And uh, I just really looking forward to having you back next week with us. We have with us Brian Montgomery, who was the director of HUD, and uh, he was with President Bush when he was in the plane and was down in Florida when he got the news of the planes going into the tower. So he did uh, recently at the TMC conference talked about uh, what he went through. So we're going to have on the program next week two guests that were up close and personal to 9-11, one who is literally an Air Force One traveling with the president and also one who was on the ground right there, went under the World Trade Centers before they came down in a subway and they came up and saw the carnage. So we're going to be covering that next week and so it'll be a special program again. So have a great week everybody. Have a great weekend. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.